You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. With that, welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast for December 13th. Thank you for stopping in. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host. Decided to go with a little Christmas music for our intro today, both because, well, it is the Christmas season and uh, the talk of Terrell Pryor, the Cleveland Browns winning, and a lot of other things made me think of Silent Night. As in, there is a lot of talk going around, whether it's about the parade, whether it's about Terrell Pryor and Pac-Man Jones and Janoris Jenkins and all of that, or even the talk of the Browns having a chance to win a game against the Bengals, which proved to be incorrect. There's a lot of need for silence right now. The conversation is one that uh, around our team that is focused on so many things, how bad the team is, who they should draft. A lot of things that should be interesting or even maybe exciting has a lot of fans, media members, and even it seems players distracted from what is really, really important. And so today we'll talk a little bit about this week's game against the Bengals. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Terrell Pryor because he right now, both for good and bad reasons, has found himself kind of in the crosshairs. Um, not just from the media and not just from fans, but from other players. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, let's look back at yesterday's game. I'm sorry, Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals, a 23-10 to loss that was disappointing. I would say that is probably the best uh, way to describe yesterday's game is that it was a disappointing game. 23 points against the Cincinnati Bengals without A.J. Green. Without Jeremy Hill really having a huge game, while he had 111 yards, that came on 25 carries. So it's not like he was busting off any huge runs. In fact, his longest run was 11 yards. But he was able to kind of churn out yardage against the Browns. And so A.J. Green only had 180 yards. Passing, he had his two touchdowns. Uh, Hill had his 111 yards, but from an offensive perspective, really nothing explosive. Uh, Boyd had 49 yards. Tyler Eifert, five catches for 48 yards. Obviously, he had his two touchdowns, but that's that's really it. We're, we're not even talking about uh, a long pass of anything over 18 yards out of the Bengals yesterday, and so I think what we need to just kind of see there is that the Browns defense didn't play terrible. Saw a lot of things. Well, there's from Emmanuel Ogba, Jamie Collins, um, and and even Brian Body Calhoun, uh, Cam Johnson, even some stuff from uh, Carl Nassib. I think we're starting to see a defense that's coming together. And from someone who has really been a I'll say it, a Ray Horton hater, I'm really impressed by what we've seen. Again, is 23 points 
great? No. But this is a Browns team that is struggling. And with an offense that has put the Browns defense in such a terrible position, I just have to be really honest. We could spend every draft pick on defense next year. We could spend money to bring in some free agents on defense. We could bring back Jamie Collins on defense. And I'm I'm pretty sure with the offensive production that we got yesterday, the Browns would at least give up 23 points most of the time to the Cincinnati Bengals because their defense was on the field for so long. And so I think it's important to always take those things in perspective. I think fans easily kind of just look at numbers, 23 to 10, the Browns gave up, you know, 360 total yards. Sure. But they were on the field for almost 10 minutes more. 10 minutes more. There's actually 9 minutes and 50-some seconds. And, yeah, I'm not figuring out those the math on that. But basically, 10 minutes more, the Browns' defense was on the field because the Browns' offense couldn't get anything going. And so this is not excusing the Browns' defense, but I think it's important to really get a good feel for how things are different. And so when we look at the offense, obviously it starts with Robert Griffin III. 12 of 28, if you watched the game, you saw his accuracy was pretty horrible. His feel was not good. Um, it seemed like the weather really affected. He seemed to be over-gripping the football uh, to try to make sure he had control of it, uh, which you saw um, there was a, a little crossing pattern uh, by Corey Coleman where he kind of sat down and RG3 kind of fired a ball right kind of to his feet and to the right of Corey Coleman. Just didn't seem to have a good feel. 104 yards. He had the one interception on the probably ridiculous uh, flea flicker that he just kind of threw up. Um, there was double coverage on both kind of streaks. Uh, no underneath kind of uh, patterns going on. So Griffin didn't look good. And so that led to... Uh, Barnage had three receptions for 27 yards. Coleman had three receptions for 26. Terrell Pryor had one for three yards. Um, and so passing looked terrible. And then we have the run game. Isaiah Crowell. Remember we talked about Jeremy Hill with 111 yards? Isaiah Crowell had 113 on 10 carries. Compared to Jeremy Hill's 25, Isaiah Crowell had 113 yards on 10 carries. Griffin had seven uh, total carries. A couple of those were on the zone read uh, options that he had. Others were just on scrambles. And then Duke Johnson got four rushes for 24 yards. How Hugh Jackson decided that running Isaiah Crowell 10 times was okay I get it. The Browns were down 13 nothing, 20 to nothing. I get it. But running Isaiah Crowell only 10 times is ridiculous. And it's something that has continued to be a problem for Hugh Jackson's play calling all season long. Even when the run game is going well, he goes away from the run game. Again, for a coach that says being a running team is what he wants to do with an offensive line that is much better running the ball. Jonathan Cooper, Cameron Irving, Austin Pastor, even Spencer Drango. Uh, the only one on their offensive line right now that's a better pass protector than run blocker 
is Joe Thomas on the outside. The other four are much better moving forward. And with a pass game that obviously wasn't working, again, 12 for 28. We're not talking about someone who is completing a lot of dink and dunks or any of those kind of things. He ran Isaiah Crowell 10 times, Duke Johnson 4, and then a couple planned uh, zone option runs for Robert Griffin III. I lay a lot of the blame for that huge difference in time of possession, the 10-minute difference. I lay that directly at the feet of Hugh Jackson. Griffin was going to struggle coming back. There was going to be rust. There was going to be issues. There is a pretty new offensive line in front of him. Running Isaiah Crowell 10 times is a huge problem. As we look forward to the last three games of the season, can Hugh Jackson get out of his own way? Can he make the kind of adjustments that it seems like Ray Horton has made for the defense? That will decide a lot for the Browns' last three games of the year, as well as what we expect moving forward next season. Can Hugh Jackson, can he be humble enough to possibly give up play calling duties? Some people think he should. Speaking of not giving up, the football season is is kind of winding down, but it's not time to give up yet. You still have some games to see, again, whether that's the Browns, uh, whether that's some other games uh, that have some importance in the playoffs. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it has never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. Whether those are as gifts or for myself or just to go to a game, I can be anywhere and with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. And you know I love that. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, that's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. And then enter my promo code, LOBrowns. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code LOBrowns. So back to the Silent Night song that I started the uh, show with. Terrell Pryor has really drawn the ire of cornerbacks recently and maybe even before that, but... We heard it from Janoris Jenkins. We heard it from Adam Pacman Jones. We heard corners talking a lot of trash about Terrell Pryor. And what's interesting about that is the diva position of wide receiver has a lot of receivers that talk. That's pretty usual for that position. And so for cornerbacks to be calling out Terrell Pryor 
tells me it's something kind of special. I don't know what he's saying or how he's acting. Maybe it's giving up on routes. Maybe it's um, throwing shade, blame towards his quarterback, maybe. Who knows? But all I know is that Terrell Pryor has um, really drawn attention to himself that isn't good, that isn't positive. And it kind of brings me to just a question, something I kind of think about when I look back at uh, we all remember Josh Gordon's humongous season a few seasons back um, when in like 14 games he had the most yards in the league, yada, yada, yada. And one of the things that we knew about that was that was kind of a manufactured great season. What I mean by that is even though he had at least three quarterbacks throwing him the ball, he was throwing the ball a ton. And so without a lot of options and uh, really trying to kind of pump up his numbers, the Browns targeted him a ton. And so he caught a lot of balls, but he was also force-fed a lot of balls because the Browns didn't have a lot of option. And I wonder how much we can see that in the numbers with Terrell Pryor. You know, as a quarterback turn wide receiver, you expect inconsistencies. But Terrell Pryor has some pretty significant inconsistencies. Week two, 32 yards. Week three, uh, 144. Week four, 46. Week five, 48. Week six, 75. Week seven, 18, which again, was that was against the Bengals. Then bumped up to 101 against the Jets. 47, 48, 97 against Pittsburgh. 131 against the Giants. Three. Right, and so... When you look at that, one of the consistent uh, pieces to some of his bigger games, so, you know, the 68, 70s and above, are a lot of the targets. Now, the game against Baltimore, he had 10 targets, only three catches for 32 yards, but 14 targets, 13 targets, 13 targets, 10 targets, 12 targets. When Terrell Pryor gets a ton of targets, he he puts up some numbers. But this year, he's got 63 receptions. Again, a good number. We're not talking about him as if he's not good, but 63 receptions, 116 targets for 858 yards and four touchdowns. Those are all very good numbers. Those are exciting numbers. Now, who knows where those numbers are at the end of the season? Who knows how those numbers would look if the Browns had better quarterback play? All of that is true, but... For a player that many believe is going to try to demand number one overall money, you have to wonder if these inconsistencies are of concern. You have to wonder if some of the talk from the cornerbacks, especially recently, are of concern. Why am I concerned about that? Because Hugh Jackson didn't have Terrell Pryor's back. Now, you can say what you want, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea from Hugh, but if Terrell Pryor was being spoken of wrongly, it's likely Hugh Jackson has his back. He didn't. He basically, at some level, said, Pryor needs to shut up. Pryor needs to focus on the game. My question for those 63 receptions and 858 yards and four touchdowns is, are those a product of forcing the ball to someone having few options of not very good quarterbacks trying to give themselves the best opportunity to succeed and prior being huge and 
Corey Coleman being out for a while and Gary Barnage not really having a good season? Or are those actually signs of a, a blossoming wide receiver? I don't care, but the Browns sure should. The Browns need to figure that out because when they look at the possibility of signing a 27-year-old now who will be 28 when next season starts to a huge contract, they have to know what they're signing. Pryor's huge. Pryor's big. Pryor has speed. He's really, really developed. All of those things are true. But is Terrell Pryor fool's gold? Does Terrell Pryor need to take a hint from the Christmas song and just have a silent night? Or am I being too critical of Terrell Pryor? 63 receptions, 858 yards, four touchdowns with this quarterback group and his transition are obviously very, very good. But those numbers aren't number one wide receiver numbers. Getting shut down for three yards and really not um, putting himself in a position to be open this week after having so much trash talked about him and to him and has to raise some level of concern. Is Terrell Pryor worth a huge contract this offseason? Or is he just a big receiver getting a lot of targets? The Browns have to answer that question. For now, Hugh Jackson has answered it and has called for a silent Terrell Pryor. And hopefully a silent Terrell Pryor can bring out a holy Terrell Pryor. Because that's the best thing for the Cleveland Browns and the possibility of a victory going forward. Thank you for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. Again, my name is Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. You can see all of my Browns writing on the OBR. Uh, the OBR.com is where you can find me, a part of Scout Media. Thank you again for stopping by, and go Browns!